When we talk about big ideas, such as the power of the transformative commitment that we touched on in our last episode, it's useful to have some down-to-earth proof, some actual examples and experiences, the kind of stories you might share with other people to let them in on what might be possible. This is The Philanthropic Quest from philanthropicquest.com. I'm Pam McAllister, and in this week's episode, Jim Lord will share with us the powerful story of how one devoted philanthropist made a transformative, even sacrificial commitment to a cause he cared about, and what that meant, both for his life and for the future of the institution. Stay tuned. Thank you, Pam, and I'm glad that you are uh, here with with us uh, today. I want you to know about one of the most powerful things that you can do. If you can only lift yourself out of the day-to-day, and this is the idea of the transformative commitment, which uh, you find in an episode that perhaps you have already listened to, uh, entitled, One Step That Changes Everything. The way that you're going to have an opportunity today to hear about this from a different point of view is by hearing in his own voice from a major philanthropist in a very self-effacing way what came about because of a sacrificial transformative commitment that he made 25 years ago. Uh, The institution of higher education could have closed its doors, but it rallied and and flirt well let let me we'll let him tell you for himself uh let me set this up just a little bit more to say that it's interesting that back even that long ago that we get a little bit of a peek into how we can be moving into more of a proactive stance for the philanthropically inclined instead of just the reactive position that they're often left in one side note before we get into this uh, brief moment together because of the high stakes and kind of people involved in a venture like this when someone makes a transformative commitment a campaign can give structure to the adventure the campaign model can bring into play dynamics that are hard to create any other way that's one reason that i still favor it after all this time and the other thing is that we can learn things from a campaign that apply to all kinds of philanthropic endeavors So there's two extremes for our learning today. Uh, One would be a multi-billion dollar campaign for an institution. That can teach us something, certainly. And in another episode, I tell of a simple, nearly always skipped step with a flip chart that a major institution used in uh, pursuit of that. We can also learn from a small, struggling organization Here's what I gained at one of the smallest and what I want to tell you about today. Many years ago, this institution of higher education asked me to work with them on the first steps of a $5 million capital campaign, a huge goal for that school. It's thought, of course, that a campaign of that size usually succeeds with a lead investment around $750,000. That's conventional wisdom. No one had ever given anything like that to the college, nor had it identified any potential donors with that kind of capability. Perhaps that's a familiar scenario. The president of this institution wanted a particularly highly respected and influential board member to serve on the campaign cabinet and ideally chair the campaign, but no one thought there was much of a chance of that happening. 
He's much too busy, everyone said. You've heard that before, too, I'm sure. Besides, he had already given people close to him several reasons why he was going to have his hands full over the next few years. So I suggested a different approach, asking this gentleman to serve on a selection and enlistment task force that would identify and recruit the general chair. Our busy leader agreed to be involved. But one thing led to another, not by accident, let me assure you. This gentleman was given a series of opportunities to strengthen and express his passion for something the college could deliver. It really was more about where he was and how the school could be an instrument for what he wanted to do. He did take on the key leadership role in the end. He agreed to chair the campaign. And when it came time for him to consider his own investment, he did something simply astonishing. Listen to this. Based on his circumstances, a commitment in the $50,000 range was thought by people to be perhaps appropriate. But after understanding the power of someone making a key transformative commitment and exploring the specific interest he had articulated in the shaping of the campaign, he went on to make a $750,000 investment instead. Do you believe that? Amazing. It began with what he saw as a great opportunity, a, a need to bring people together that was able to use the vehicle of an endowed chair that was custom designed for him in response to his idea, his interest, rather than the selling him on his, well, not selling him on his needs, selling him on needs that the institution had. So it's proactive rather than reactive which figures into the emerging work that we have right now. And I'll come back to this again, again and again, actually. It's a pretty important uh, stream in our thinking. So that set into motion a whole series of events, some of which you'll hear about in a moment in his own voice. Since then, this leader who ended up stepping up to the uh, heroic leadership role his name, Bob Rogers, went on to take the chairmanships of the Kauffman Foundation in Kansas City and AmeriCorps. By chance, I happened to see our general chair sometime later, and his smile never looked bigger. One of the great rewards of this work. He was, uh, he was modest about his own role, but you could tell how good he felt about it. He and his wife, Kathy, he told me, had decided then to commit 30% of their current income to philanthropy. I was astounded and he was unassuming. There's more about what happened and what contributed to it happening, but let me take you to this moment now when I talked with him about uh, what had happened when we had a reunion about 20 years later during a workshop of mine that he attended. In less than three minutes, complete with ducks on the pond squawking in the background, we'll let him tell you what happened and what it meant to him. The next few minutes is from a conversation between Jim Lord and Bob Rogers, recorded outdoors at the side of a pond. Hang in there through a bit of wind noise and quacking ducks to hear in Bob's own words what his act of leadership meant to him and to the college he loved. Let's listen in. As we think back to things that uh, in the past that have uh, influenced and stimulated other people, 
Uh, it seems to me that one of them that is really significant is what happened at the, uh, at the school so many years ago. I mean, your experience with uh, really realizing how you could show leadership and how many people were, were ready to follow. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you want to talk a little bit about it. Well, it was uh, really interesting because that was the first capital campaign I was involved with. When my wife and I, Kathy and I, uh, talked about it, you know, we had to really think about it quite a bit to make sure we were making the right decision. And we knew it would be a sacrificial gift because at that time, uh, the gift that we were talking about was about 20% of our overall uh, wealth, if you will. (laughs) So being able to do it, even though it was a sacrifice that changed our life quite a bit, we knew it was the right thing to do. So. And you're saying that you recognized that it was one that would actually have an effect on your, the way you lived your life. Uh, absolutely. To decide to yeah. do that. And right. it was a sense that other people knew this was really significant. You were willing to let yeah. them see the fact that this was not just uh, you know business as usual or something right. like that. This was really an act of... And I do believe that made an enormous difference in the response of others when they saw that we had made a sacrifice and it was about 20% of our wealth, you know, they said, wow, you know, so yeah, uh, they, and they were as devoted to St. Paul as uh, I was. And so they may have been thinking something less, but they moved to a higher number just because of that. So it does make a difference when someone makes a gift of a sacrifice like that. So. Yeah. So it really was a question of something that, that felt like it was impossible. And when you were dealing with it before, and, and, and to think that he would have, or whoever brought up the notion of a capital campaign and with that yeah. kind of a goal, it seemed pretty amazing yeah. to think you'd go after something like that. And that really mm-hmm. has, I mean, the school has really become quite more than solvent. Yeah, uh, more than solvent. And I don't know what the endowment is now, but uh, when I left uh, the board uh, four years ago, it was uh, approximately 135 uh, million. <laughs> I'm shocked. I didn't. Yeah. That. But when you go back and you think about the significance of when there wasn't anybody, I mean, you were people around you who cared, but to step out first and make the first commitment before anybody else had. Uh, you then, in the end, though, you see what the implications of that. Yeah. I mean, a whole series of things that have yeah. res- come from that. It's, it's amazing. The transformative commitment changes the donor as well as the institution. It's easy for the professional to overlook what a powerful experience this can be for a person what a rite of passage it can be in their life. Here's Jim again. Well, what to make of this? A lot, I would say. For starters, donors are longing for opportunities to do great things. I take that away from what Bob had to say. If we can simply find a way to provide those opportunities, they'll generally find a way to provide the resources. We'll get into the ways that his desire and the desire of others can be activated when you give leaders an opportunity to truly lead. Now, I distilled uh, from this experience and had confirmed in uh, following experiences a simple 
it's hard to believe it could be simplified to this degree, but I've got all the essential bases covered with it, I'll have to tell you. It's four steps to the transformative commitment. And what happened with Bob could come about only because I had actually been the replacement for campaign counsel for this institution. And I had to put aside all the assumptions and um, the availability of a feasibility study. And, and I had to think about what's really going on here when someone is potentially capable of making this really historic commitment. What a great gratification this has, has been, knowing people like Bob. And I'm pleased to say that I'm still in touch with him, with the president of the institution and the vice president for development. One of the great joys of, of doing this kind of work. So from that experience with Bob and others, I thought there could be a case built for making a transformative commitment. I wish I had had that at the time to give to him. And if you'd like it, that's one more of the things we've put together for you. And you can look at the page where that is uh, offered to you and is entitled uh, The One Step That Can Change Everything. If you want a voice in your life that will remind you of what's possible in philanthropy, with more big ideas and encouragement to develop your leadership and influence in this field, be sure to sign in for free email updates with future episodes, transcripts, and more at philanthropicquest.com.